Hello and welcome to episode two of the podcast series, Mum, You've Got This. For those who are listening to this episode as the first episode to the series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the intro episode, uh, which explains what this series is about and kind of why I decided to do it. Uh, I wanted to explain, because I haven't actually done that before, why I've named it what I have, being Mum, You've Got This. Um, it probably sounds pretty obvious and would be pretty obvious to most people, but um, for me, it's the, the wording there is something that I, I probably tell myself every day or whenever I'm really struggling. Um, instead of getting into my own head about things when I'm finding things challenging, I, it's my way to push through. And when I'm really, really struggling, I um, imagine my girls saying it to me. So it's kind of my inspiration and I feel like a lot of these stories we're going to hear from some pretty awesome women um, is probably the same kind of thing. They're probably constantly telling themselves they've got this and they can do it. Um, so this is episode two. The previous episode, episode one, was actually me being interviewed. It is a long episode. I apologize. There was a lot to cover off on. And once you get started, it's really hard to stop. There's just so many layers uh, to everything that we experience in life. Um, and as a mum, it's kind of expanded even more, I think. So um, I would encourage anyone who hasn't listened to it to take their dog or just anyone and just get out of the house by themselves, preferably probably, um, go for a walk, put your headphones in, give it a listen um, and take some time out for you. So the episode two, we are featuring someone I've known and admired for a long time, uh, Courtney. Uh, Courtney and I met through primary school, actually, but danced together for a really long time. She's a total boss lady, and I can't wait to hear her story. Welcome, Courtney, and thank you for being on the, on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks, Elle. Um, it's funny you say that because you were kind of that person for me, particularly through my um, first pregnancy. I know I text you at a couple of random hours of the night, um, yeah, with just random questions to ask because we were in quite similar situations. So, yeah, it's really nice to True. be on this podcast. It's, I, I, it's funny. I actually forgot about that we did talk a lot through those early days because I think um yeah we were pregnant very similar stages our children are only a week apart I think um and yeah I didn't really know anyone else at that time that was you know pregnant and it's nice to know when you're going through certain stages at certain times is this normal or you know do I need to worry like help me relax Absolutely. here <laughs> yeah I know but like now looking back, I know that our children were completely different um so yeah very hard to compare the two well, I would love for you to, this episode is all about you, uh, as we've already spoken before doing this recording, but I have got some discussion points that I would like to stick as close to as I can in each episode. Um, so the first one that I would just like you to explain to any listeners is a quick overview of you, who you are, your age, your family dynamic, your children and their ages, where you live, what you do for work, what your partner does for work. Give us a picture of who you are and what your family is. Yeah, okay, I'll do my best. So um, I'm currently 32. I'm most importantly a mum to two beautiful children. Uh, Grayson was my first. He is nearly three. He'll be three in January. And my baby girl, Harper, who is 10 months. Uh, I live in Hobart and have done all my life with my husband, Andrew. 
So we've been together for a long time, um, since I was 18, so just about 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I own part of an accounting and financial planning firm, which is just about five minutes out of Hobart. Uh, it's called Accrum Hobart, funnily enough. Um, and I have two other business partners. I bought into the business around the time I had Grayson, um, but had been working there uh, for about 12, well, about 10 years at that time. So 12 years um, all up now. So um, what I do there has varied since I've bought into the business. Um, I spend a lot of time uh, with the staff now working on the business um, as opposed to just working on the tools all the time. Um, really supportive team um, and business partners in particular. They're both um, men mm-hmm. and um, 50 and over. So um, I- I'm really lucky that they've both got three or more children themselves and can really understand uh, the position that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, they understand that you know, if they give me my time now with my children, um, then, you know, I'll, I'll give back uh, for the next kind of 20, 30 years to come. So that's been really good. My hubby, Andrew, um, he's also part owner of his business. Uh, he works as an IT technician, Iris Computing in Hobart. So we're both um, busy from a kind of business perspective, um, but you know, really try to make sure that we get the balance between that and our kiddies at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we both are really lucky in that we have um, supportive families as well. So our parents both live within 10 minutes of our house. Um, so they, they too play a massive role in our lives and bringing up our children. So that so you talked about the buying into the business uh, and having the other two director partners. Uh, it's fantastic you've got support from them, particularly from you know their uh, you know different age demographic to you, and them obviously having children. They still remember probably what that was like, so their understanding of it. I remember when it was all announced that you had done this with your business, and at the same time you had gotten married. You were over in Europe on a honeymoon, and then you announced that you were pregnant. You don't do things in halves. (laughs) It was huge. That was a massive um, kind of five-year period where I feel like I I, um, was going through a huge kind of major milestone in each year. Um, And I think that's just a result of, well, you know, women and and their career progression these days. So what tends to happen is, you know, we'll invest our time in, um, our education, um, and then when it comes to the age kind of 28, 29, that's done, um, then that's when we tend to commit to, you know, marriage and kids, you know, all, all um, at once, mm. and, and then business comes from there too, whereas, you know, quite a long time ago it would have been, you know, marriage is the priority um, for the woman. So times have changed. Um, I'm not sure whether... You know, it works completely well mm. um, because managing all those different milestones around the one um, kind of five-year period uh, was super challenging um, it, from a number of aspects um, and also financially as well. Mm. Um, 
So if I were to give somebody any advice, try to space those things out as much as possible. <laughs> Not everything has to happen within a kind of three to five year period. Yeah, that was a lot going on all at the one time, but you absolutely nailed it. But all amazing and all paying off. Um, yeah. Yeah. Reaping yeah. the rewards I'm now. I'm taking it easy these days. Yeah. <laughs> As you deserve. So tell us, we've obviously got a good picture now of who you are, what you're doing now, what's happened in the last couple of years with your business, with your family. Tell us about mm. yourself pre-children, like where you went to school, um, any travel you've done, um, your career path leading up to where you kind of got, uh, maybe starting like out of high school kind of thing, what your, what everything was and what your general life was like back, back then, if you can remember. <laughs> a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Life was good. Life was good. Um, I went to public schools, um, went to Rosen College, and then I believe I had a year off before going to uni. Um, I, I originally wanted to be a primary school teacher, always did. Mm. So I um, moved up to Launceston and I did a year up there of education, um, but there were two reasons I decided to come back to Hobart. Uh, one was that there really were a lack of job opportunities available for teachers, or if there were, it was likely that I was going to have to travel. Um, and two, there were some family health issues with my pop, which meant I really wanted to be back home as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, I came back to Hobart and started my Bachelor of Business degree. And not long after, I think it was one semester after that, um, I went for a full-time job um, at a crew Hobart, which is um, where I'm at now, mm. and ended up working full-time and studying part-time. So that all worked out really well, and I've loved it ever since. So I continued on after uni to uh, complete my chartered accountants program um, and then uh, – Again, more study, never stopped. Um, <laughs> Specialised in Valium businesses as well. Um, and, yeah, 10 years later, um, all of those massive milestones came along. But kind of before kids, um, you know, I love to have a busy life. I love to fill my days. Um, I never liked the thought of wasting time. I'm not sure whether that was my accountant's brain um working mm-hmm. having to fill in my timesheet every day but um <laughs> yeah I'd be one of those people who you know I can't wait to have a sleep in um but then you know wake up 6 7 a.m lie there tossing and turning thinking about what I needed to do for the day mm-hmm. so um my husband's actually the complete opposite which causes some friction at times <laughs> but um I worked really hard I started early I finished late um and yeah, it was great. We travelled a lot. Um, Andrew and I travelled a lot of the world, actually, and um, we'd love to do it more in the future with the kiddies. Um, so it would be great when they get to that kind of more portable age where mm. we can, yeah, show them some of the world. Mm-hmm. And they can appreciate it as well when you do when you do it at that stage. Absolutely. I don't want to waste money and then not remember it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like from an educational perspective too, like I'd yeah, love to take them 
to Europe um, and, and show them what we've seen. I'd also love to redo Europe because um, when I first went, I was pregnant with Grayson. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was quite sick and obviously couldn't drink a lot, um, fainted on one of the ferries. So, yes, would love to go back, <sighs> not pregnant, um, with the kiddies and just, yeah, show them a bit of the history. Excellent. Sounds good. So, so what year did you get married? And then, so talk us through that and then the decision to start a family, how you went falling pregnant. A lot of women are, are starting families a lot older now, a lot later in life than what our parents did. And there's not really many people I know that didn't have, um, you know, issues with either falling or pregnancy issues. And then mm. moving into, you know, how you were when you were pregnant, the birth, early stages with a newborn. Yeah. Big topic. So, mm. um, I was married, and Andrew won't mind if I get this wrong. I think it was 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, kind of, probably two months later, we started trying. Um, and I, I was really, really lucky. Um, I never kind of tried to get pregnant before that. I was always on birth control, um, and we kind of fell pregnant the second time. Um, which I didn't feel bad about it. Um, it was obviously really, really exciting, but I was aware um, of a lot of people, including some close friends, um, that, mm-hmm. that did and do really struggle um, with getting pregnant. So I, I was aware of that and thought myself very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a relatively smooth pregnancy, aside from that kind of initial period in a honeymoon in Europe and I was kind of coughing till I was dry reaching. Mm. Um, but, you know, otherwise he, he grew really well. Um, I ended up going 10 days past my due date um, and that's when I was induced. I The only kind of abnormal thing um, that didn't kind of go to plan was that Grayson was posterior, so he's back was to my back, which meant um, that there was some quite intense pain in my lower back bottom, um, which I just couldn't handle. I couldn't even lay on a bed. So um, having epidural, that fixed it completely, and it was a really kind of controlled birth where I could really focus on what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that was great. The birth was great. Um yeah, but it was probably post-birth where I struggled the most with Grayson. Okay. He was, um, he was, well, not that I knew any different, but he was a very unsettled, windy um, baby. And as soon as he came out, the, the cry, I kind of remember saying, oh, well, you know, I don't like the sound of that. Mm. Um He's always been so emotional, but I, I just didn't. I think because of the way I worked, you know, I always had a to do list, always like kind of ticking off things. I was so concerned about trying to be a good mum to him that I never kind of let myself just kind of stop and take him in. Um, like I never thought I knew how to hold him properly or feel like I could settle him by myself. Um, but the thing was that nobody really could. Mm. Um, I was always kind of busy helping in the background, you know, making sure there was a nappy there, making sure there was, you know, the right towels and things, but I didn't want to take the front seat because I wasn't confident. You know, like mm-hmm. I'd study mum, I'd see her cradling him and, and kind of rocking him to sleep and I'd be kind of 
kind of in my head watching every movement, trying to perfect it and do the same thing next time. Um, yeah, I used to used to get really scared when, um, you know, he'd start crying in somebody else's arms and they'd say, oh, you know, I better give him back to mum. Because um, in my head I was thinking, well, you know, I only live in two days ago too. You know, mm. like, how do mm-hmm. I know what to do? Yeah. Um, and actually the one thing, Elle, that, that relates to you is that I remember you saying in a post with Ivy when she was born, you know, um, I just got these kind of heart explosions or something with Ivy, like just pure love. Mm. And I, and now I look back, I didn't feel it, not at that point, um, because I was too focused on trying to get things right. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking, because I've, I've done a lot of reflecting back on that, um, which makes me a little bit emotional. But, um, mm. yeah, Andrew had a month off and um, – which probably wasn't that great for my confidence because I relied on him. Someone being there. A lot. Mm. Absolutely. So the best thing for me was when Andrew actually went back to work, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's when I became the expert Mm. and I knew exactly what Grayson needed more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I knew how he, yeah, kind of preferred to be held or rocked. Um, And it was about not too long after that, probably three months, um, that I knew what you were talking about. Okay. So that's when I got those heart explosions. That's when I kind of could relax and take him in and really feel feel that. Yeah. Which um, I'm not sure if anybody else has experienced that. I know with Harper, I felt it straight away. Okay. So the moment she was born, I got that because I wasn't worried about like trying to be a mum or not knowing how to do things perfectly. It was just yeah, taking her in. Um, that I didn't get to do or allow myself to do with Gray. Yeah, I, I think that's so common, Court. Like, you know, the more and more people that you talk about, I think that sort of story is, is something that's super common. I know that when I first had Ivy, um, I knew I loved her, but it was almost this, like, total freak-out thing that, like, holy crap, what do I kind of do now? And, yeah, mm. we found our way and we found our feet and all that kind of thing. But I remember um, it wasn't until all my family kind of went back home and, you know, same thing, Sam was back at work and mm. I was left for the first full day on my own and that's when it was like, wow, click. So a bit earlier than what you experienced, but obviously there was some other challenges there. Um, but I remember the second time when I had Billy, my second born, it was the second she was put on my chest, it was just instant yeah. because I think you, you've you got it all figured well, as best as you can, you've got way more of an idea second right time around than, you know, than what you did the first time. So I think that fear of just going, holy crap, what do I do is, yeah, is removed. So the bonding happens a lot sooner, but, you know, plenty of women out there that it takes a lot longer and, you know, there's postnatal depression issues and a whole range of things that come into place. And that's been a, a bit of a lesson for me. I've always been someone that's very like, I don't say it oversharing. I like to share my life and be open and transparent, but I always put a lot of things, you know, on, on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. And as soon as, while you're feeling good and you post those things, there's no thought really about what effect that could be happening on anyone else. Cause you're too just worried about what you're doing and, and things are good and whatever. But as soon as I've been in stages where I've been struggling, I know what it's like. You kind of see things that other people put up and, it's mm. it, it can affect you. It really can, and that's yeah, that's kind of why I'm unplugged because I'm just I like I don't want to be, and I don't want to encourage anyone listening to stop posting about how great things are and all that kind of thing. But 
for people that are looking at stuff on social media and whatever you're seeing is affecting you, I just think just remove it or just take some time off it because I know it has an effect and Absolutely. it's very common. So It's um, so hard though, isn't it? Because you're not going to post about something bad. bad. Yeah, you, you don't want to be... Exactly. Feel good, you know, happy moment. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think, well, I know I'm lucky in the fact that, you know, I've got really good mental health. Yeah. And I am quite resilient in that respect. And mm. so, you know, I tend to just talk about it anyway. So, like, yeah. you know, I, that's why I kept coming to you a lot of the time. Mm. Like, oh, what are you doing? How do you get Ivy to sleep? <laughs> how do you do this? Because um, that's how I operate. Whereas, yeah. um, a lot of others might internalise those Suffering things. Suffering silence um, as well. And that's right. And have, the, have that actually affect them more. Mm. Absolutely. So, so when do you, how old do you think Gray was when you really started that bonding phase? I honestly think it was probably about three months. Okay. And, mm. and talk to me then about, or talk to us about when you went back to work, why you went back, um, what yeah. that transition was like, support from your employer, were you breastfeeding, all that kind of thing? Yep. Um, so Gray, with I started casually working from home at three months. Mm-hmm. So um, I played a pretty pivotal role in the business at that point um, because uh, I spent a lot of my time on projects that were valuing businesses. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, there wasn't really any backup for me. So um, for the business to continue earning that kind of revenue stream, I had to be involved at some level. Um, so I did do that, um, mum kind of helped on a Monday, that's when she had her day off, um, and I sneak away from it for a bit, um, so three months casually and then six months I started back at the office doing some formal hours, um, from memory I think it was kind of two to, I worked up to kind of three school days for the first six months and then went to four school days from the following year. Um, and I, I liked that because um, when they're kind of between one and two, you know, they still have that really good lunch sleep. And so, you know, I could still get the afternoons with him. Mm-hmm. So I could enjoy him for that time um, before the crazy bath time, <laughs> bedtime routine kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was a really good balance for me. Yeah. Um, I tried, well, so I was feeding him exclusively up until eight months, I think it was. So when I first started work, I tried to pump when I could, but it just, like, I, you know, completely support those who can go to work and pump and still continue to do that. But um, in the end, I, I just wanted to get in get it done mm. and get back home mm-hmm. to him. Um, and I felt like pumping was getting in the way of that. Yeah. Or, you know, I'd be caught in meetings, um, client appointments, things like that. So um, I continued to kind of feed him morning and night, um, up, or maybe night in the end towards 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was absolutely not from, you know, not being given an office or anything like that at work. The support was there. It was more my personal preference. Okay. Um, so, yeah, up until when I had Harper, I was still working four days 
kind of 8.30 till 3, 3.30. Um, and, yeah, then kind of spending the afternoons with him. Mm-hmm. And so you said your mum had Grey one day and then was it daycare? Yeah, so mum had Grayson on a Monday and then he went to care on a Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. So two days, um, which I think after the first five minutes of leaving him, he really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before that was a bit, a bit of a screaming match, but um, You're not alone that was that. nice. It, it was nice once they're kind of 12 months, they get into that room um, and it becomes a more fun experience for them, sometimes more than what you can offer at home mm. um, and, yeah, interacting with other little ones. So I felt more comfortable when it got to that point mm-hmm. rather than um, – yeah, the kind of baby room. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that set up I was completely comfortable with and I felt like I had a really good work-life balance at that point. At that point, so did that change? Um, well, it changes now. Mm. So, um, so talk yeah, about that then. So obviously you've had had beautiful little Harper. So what was falling pregnant, pregnancy, birth, and life now with your gorgeous little girl? Yes. So um, Harper and Grayson are almost exactly two years apart, mm-hmm. um, which, again, I think is very common nowadays uh, because we do wait, um, you know, after we've, after we've chased our careers uh, and then we decided to get married and, you know, have a couple of kids um, very close together so that then once again we can move on with life or, you know, at least be young enough to really Enjoy them and be active with them. Mm-hmm. So that that was my plan at least. Um, had I done it again, I potentially would have waited six more months uh, for Grayson to get a bit more common sense about him. But mm-hmm. um, you know what's done is done. So she, I was really lucky actually. So um, Harper was completely different. Uh, she's well, the the pregnancy was much the same. Um, I was really lucky. Again, I got pregnant the first try, mm, so wow. you don't hear many stories like that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we were very, very lucky. Um, no epidural this time. She, I started labouring on my due date. I laboured for kind of three days, I think it was. Wow. It was pretty intense. <laughs> um, and uh, so the, I, I had gas. Um, and then I think it was too late to have an epidural, which I wasn't completely impressed with. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I actually found the birth a lot better without an epidural because I could feel more. So I, my body could feel what it was supposed to do. Okay. So the pain was very intense. Um, but I think I helped my body more because I knew what to do and what it was wanting me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a, as a baby goes, she's, really settled into our family so well. She's so much more chilled than Grayson. She's not as emotional. She's got no wind issues. Um, and she kind of, because I had a routine set up with Grayson, um, she's just kind of slotted in to that. Um, you know, had I just been having a newborn the second time around, that would have been amazing um, if only we didn't have to slot them in with a kind of toddler. Um, <laughs> it would be incredible. Um, yeah, the whole feeding too, bathing too, just kind of um, learning how to get two kids in and out of the car, you know, 
of the logistics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still kind of playing in bed and thinking, okay, how's it going to work? I'm going to put him in and then you I'm going anal- to get her you out. analyzing things? That doesn't sound like yeah. you. <laughs> Not me at all. Not me at all. Um, but now, you know, I've got that down pat to um, Great. But no, it, it's, it's, it's all about the toddler still when you have a newborn. Yeah. Um, so just putting it around him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was very lucky that she was the complete opposite. Um, yeah, very easy baby. And what about when um, when Gray first met Harper and how that bond, because that can be a real challenge, um, and then how it sort of blossomed and, and where it's at kind of today? Yeah, he, she was very kind of shiny new, yeah. um, and I had to protect her a lot. Um so, I mean, she's not a shiny new toy anymore, but um, he's obviously going through the, the terrible twos. So if she does act out, um, she's kind of in the firing line. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of, she's had a book to the face, which has caused a few cuts and things. So, but the, the thing for me was always making it about um, – Grayson. So if I was showing Harper the love, you know, it was, oh, you know, Grayson, come and show Harper the love to her. Look at her. Look what she's doing. You're such a good big brother. Just bringing him into the situation every time. I never wanted to put her in a light where Grayson would get jealous and act out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was always about him. Um, so, yeah, and... You know, they have their good moments and, and they have their bad moments. Can I trust them in a room for more than two minutes? Probably not yet. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he loves her. He loves her. But, um, so if if um, kind of something bad happens, um, you know, he equally showers her with love oh. five seconds later. So yeah. it's just a result of being so close together in age but I have spoken to and heard a lot of stories that you know having them close together um is really great in a few time you know when they can play together and they really will be so close um and and great friends um so I'm hoping that that will come soon (laughs) sooner rather than later please maybe once the the terrible twos and the trying threes um, have gotten out of the way. Maybe that's when that will come. Yeah, I, I've got Ivy. Ivy loves Billy. They've got it's a beautiful relationship. But man, she's Ivy's just total three major. Billy's just a little meat axe that you know Ivy used to easily be able to come over and take everything off and off her, and Billy would just turn around and play with something else. Well, now it's a tug of war, and it's like sometimes Ivy's the one that ends up hurt. So I hear what you're saying. Oh, uh, it, oh, it, it it's just drama. Yeah. It's always something. Drama all the time, yeah. I mean, Harper sees him as a piece of entertainment, so, you know, I think boys are very different to girls um, yeah. in a lot of ways. He's just, you know, jumping off the balls all the time and everything's a, a chasing contest. So, um, yeah, he, he's like a circus act for her. Um, but, yes, you just have to be aware of those, yes, the non-sharing moments and that's fine and um, – things that you know they're still babies he's mm. only two he's still a baby um so just being aware of that and uh trying to control what the rest of them. so what about um work-wise what's happening now and what's or what's happening in the near or whenever in the future mm. so at the moment um when Harper was six months I 
decided to work one day a week. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ease my, my way in. Um, as I was saying to you before, um, with Harper, I'm not sure whether it's because she's a girl or because she's possibly my last baby. I'm really finding it hard to give up my time with her mm. much more than I was with Grayson. So, um, and when the new year comes, January, uh, I'll return to work probably three days in the office, working my way up to four over a six-month period. Um, and I suppose the hard thing there is that um, it means that she'll be at care more days than what he was. Um, and, you know, mum guilt, I'm always trying to weigh up in my mind, you know, how many days of care is right, you know, or, mm. you know, I want them to be with me more days than they are at care, um, or more than I'm at work. So it's just trying to balance that um, in my head and for my own kind of peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But, yes, come January, mum will still take on the Mondays with two of them. Mm-hmm. Um my nan actually used to watch Grayson for a day as well. I don't think I mentioned that before. Okay. Um, but they're way too much for her, mm-hmm. so she can just come on a Monday and help mum. But, yes, then they'll both be in care three days a week okay. um, after that. And I think I'll still continue to do my kind of 8.30 to 3.30 um, days because while they're young, um, I still want to enjoy those afternoons with them. I still yeah. want to have um, – yeah, those those kind of special times before that intense, yeah, bath, bed, mm. sleep. Yeah. Um, That's the time you get to play, right, as opposed to just, yeah, getting it done. Exactly right. Feeding them, you know, not being kind of on that schedule, just getting mm. to enjoy them for a little bit mm. um, and, yeah, just see how they're growing and developing. Yeah. Um, so what have you learnt from your kids What's what are your key learnings in just becoming a mum, and what how that's changed you, and how you, maybe how you see the world, and what, what what effect it's had? I found that to be a really hard question, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I kind of kept coming back to was, and, and you know, it's nothing major. It's just that the little things are the big things. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I kept coming back to, um, and compared to my pre children life. You know, before kids, I spent a lot of my time just doing things that looking back now, you know, weren't really that important um, mm-hmm. and didn't really matter. And I didn't ever really stop to appreciate the small things and how precious life is and, yeah, how big those little things are. So, you know, if you're in the car with your little ones, it's like, you know, there's the moon, you know, there's a sun, there's just spotting a cow in the paddock or feeding <laughs> the birds in the backyard or yeah. reading books before bedtime um, and, yeah, just kind of hearing what they've got to say. So I don't have um, these incredible, obviously you learn a lot of patience, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> particularly two kids, but the biggest thing that stuck out for me was that, that, yeah, the little things are the big things and it takes me back to my childhood. Yeah. Um, and just kind of seeing things through their eyes, yeah. which is really, you know, <laughs> Grayson said to me the other day, um, Mummy, why why do I have a tongue? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, mate. 
Yeah, the fact that that's got into his brain at that age is, yeah. you know, it's it's incredible. Yep, and just rewinding back to your childhood and, yeah, because I, I remember being in a car and, you know, everything was so exciting. So, <laughs> no, it's good. It's That's good. great. What, um, so obviously life's pretty full on, two kids. I, I know what you're going through. I'm doing the same thing. What do you mm. do for you and, and just um, for you? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Mm. Not a whole lot. I, um... I had plans for what I want to do for myself. I feel like I'm at that point where the kids are less reliant on me now. They're both, um, well, Harper's just started kind of sleeping through the night. So I have that um, energy level to want to do things for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose the answer to that is I really don't do much for myself at the moment, but I have a lot of plans to do that um they won't be major um but just kind of looking things that i enjoy that look after myself and my um well-being Mm -hmm. i suppose that you don't necessarily do in those initial stages of having a newborn yeah definitely yeah yeah but sadly not much (laughs) you need to change that (laughs) i do So what are the biggest challenges that you're facing at the moment? Generally, work, life, just the balance. Can you switch off when you get home from work? Uh, so the last point, I can. I've always been really good at switching off when I need to. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people that stay up um, during the night and, and thinking about work and can't switch off. I, I can happily sleep through things even when I am really stressed. Mm-hmm. Um which is a clear advantage, I think. But but two aspects I thought um, that, you know, weren't there before having kids and and are specific to females, I think, um, is kind of trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of super mum complex. So, you know, I like the fact sadly, that I am capable of doing it all, Um, and I think I do do it well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just recently I've kind of thought, no, I can't do this forever. I can't keep going on the way I am and remain the same person. Um, Mm. I I heard about this book, and I'm not sure if you've heard of it, and I'm not even sure if it's good, uh, but I love the concept. It's, It's called Fair Game. And okay. I believe it kind of lists out all the tasks that females are not necessarily responsible for doing, but the things that they do. Um, mm. And I think it was over a thousand things. There, so there's... all those little things that are going on around in a female's mind, yeah. um, this person has actually listed them all down um, and categorised them. And um, because it's all on the concept that, you know, males – hate to be nagged so um if they know what tasks are allocated to them and when they need to do them um you know everyone's happy and feel like they're sharing the load so i think it even has this game involved in order to allocate tasks so um 
Yeah, but I, I've never actually thought to list down all the things that go through a mum or a female's head. But there's, so yeah, there's a thing in the thousands. Yeah, you, there's a podcast for you and anyone else listening. Um, it's called Ladies We Need to Talk. And there's an episode yep. called The Mental Load. And it basically summarizes yes. in a podcast basically what you've said and just about, yeah, the, the, it, there might be the physical tasks that you see women doing and, you know, men doing too. And I'm sure your husband helps around the house and all that kind of thing. But just the stuff that's mm-hmm. going on in the back of your mind, like, okay, you know, there's something such as birthday party on the weekend. So I've got to make sure we pick up a card or a present or we do this. And there's an excursion yep. for school. So we've got to get that happening. And like at someone's, you know, anniversary. So make sure we send a message. And yeah, just a that. doctor's full... appointment for this vaccination. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. But so it's about recognizing that, but kind of realizing how males work as well. Mm. So dealing Absolutely. with them in the, in the best way so that um you know you can make you're not it work. constantly walking past them you know making side comments and resenting them it's about okay well realizing that you know, there is a lot to do mm. um and this is your share yeah um so yeah i'm i'm so perhaps in some of my me time i might so get that book and read it and then mm. see if it works or not um but the other challenge for me and i'm sure it is um and I, I'm not crying poor or anything like that, but for women in general, I think the financial aspect of, of having a child, mm-hmm. more than one child, um, is super stressful as well and, and can really affect your mental health um, in a big way. I mean, I think what is encouraged by society is really restricted by reality. Mm. Um, and, and so just the things that, you know, I've experienced personally um and can document is that you know you're encouraged to breastfeed exclusively for for 12 months Mm. um but paid parental leave is only 18 weeks in most kind of all that's what the government offers um you know they um on returning to work you know employers aren't necessarily obligated to give you back your initial terms of employment um, so, so that doesn't help. If, if the mum is the main income, um, which is possibly the case, and it most certainly is in my household, um, you know, generally the lifestyle that you've built up on review is based around your income. Mm. Um, and so, you know, mortgage repayments and things like that are built around the female income. And, you know, when you go off to maternity leave, those things don't stop. So, you know, you've still got to pay those things. Interest only terms, you know, are sometimes hard to get yep. based on that income. You know, you take that income protection insurance. Um, that's still got to be paid when you're on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from my experience, I called up the insurance company and they said, look, we can, we can pause this premium for the period. Um, but you won't be covered. covered yeah. And then there's going to be an additional waiting period as well, which mm. you're also not covered for. Um, and you know, you've got additional kids to, to feed and clothe and shower and, um, yeah, it's, it's stressful. Um, so I, I, I get that, you know, society encourages women, um, to have it all and go for that career. Um, but I don't necessarily think we are there yet from, mm. from a practical perspective. At the moment, I think it is still, um, financially more viable for the man to be the breadwinner mm-hmm. and the mum to be the stay-at-home carer for the children. 
Yep. That's my view. Yep. Yep. That's some really valid and relevant points that you've raised that I'm sure plenty of people would be nodding their heads right now. Um, so I guess what's kind of, what, what advice or what's worked for you or, um, any kind of words of wisdom you'd pass on, especially for anyone kind of looking at starting a family or having extra kids or anything that you can go, yeah, look, this is a bit of a, a life hack or, you know, something that you'd want to pass on to, to anyone else. Sure. Um, so without this program that I'm about to talk about, I, I would not be the person I am or be able to return to work um, and give what I do. So about uh, three to four months, as I was saying with Grayson, um, into having him, uh, he was a really difficult child. Um, I remember asking you, well, how do you put Ivy to sleep? Mm. <laughs> so I just give her a cuddle <laughs> and she goes to sleep. Um, I remember bouncing on footballs to try and get my child mm. to sleep. Mm. Um, and unless I caught him at that perfect time, um, he'd just stare up at me, eyes wide open. Um, you know, I'd go to a friend's house and because he hadn't slept all day, he would just be crying the house down. So in the end, 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, scrolling through my Facebook app, um, this uh, kind of advertisement came up and it was called Little Ones and it described my situation to a T. Mm. And it was $50, which I thought, well, you know, it can't hurt. Anyway, for those of you like me who love structure, so you've come from a workplace mm. where, you know, your whole day is around structure and you have to do lists and knowing exactly what you um, Doing, do not have to do, this is for you. So it, mm. um, it gave me complete structure around sleep times, knowing exactly when you're tired, um, how to get your babies to self-settle, um, when to give them milk, when to introduce solids, how to do that. Um, and it, you know, it um, gives you programs that change as they age. Um, and as their sleep habits change, mm-hmm. um, and gives amazing support as well at any time of day. Um, I most recently toilet trained my toddler as well from a guy that they had. Um, and yeah, for a boy, kind of two and a half, um, really uncommon for them to be toilet trained at that age. And, um, it worked. So, and I've also suggested this program to, probably five other of my friends um, who, you know, it really works for them. And so it also helps, um, you know, on on meeting expectations. So if you yeah. want to meet up with a friend, um, I mean, my best friend, we can always meet up um, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for a play date. We never miss it. Um, you know, it's never, oh, you know, Grayson's still sleeping. Um we know when he's going to wake up, we know when her child's going to wake up. Yeah. And so we can always commit to that time with each other, which is great. Um, and I can always commit to work meetings um, and things like that. So my entire day from start to finish is known, which for me um, is gives me comfort. Yeah. And I know not, not everybody works like that and not everybody needs that. Um, but for the, 
type of child that Grayson was and sort of person that I naturally am. Yeah. Um, it was it perfect. Life-saving. Yeah. So, um, so what I'm going to do, I'll get you to, um, to give me those details because when I post this episode, um, and I had a couple of things that I recommended people to check out as well. So if anyone's interested, we'll post links and more information so that people can access them if they feel like it's relevant and will be helpful to them. So sure, I'll grab that off you. Um, so where's everything at now for you? Like what's life like? Are things going along good? Are there things you wish you could change? Or, you know, tell us about your day-to-day and how, how life is right now and then I guess what you see is happening next for you and for your family. Um, day to day at the moment, um, is good. I've got it under control. Um, as like me, it's all kind of scheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard. You know? So I want long. For those of you who, you know, want to work, um, plus raise children at the same time, it is, and it requires a lot of kind of prep. Um, but, yeah, day-to-day family is kind of spending a lot of time with my children um, and developing them um, in, through myself, um, which I'm, I'm loving. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to work, um, but really trying to hold on to the moments that I have with Grace and Harper at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, a bit of a love-hate situation at the moment. Um I'm looking forward to making a difference at work. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to paying back. So um, my business partners have had to pick up the slack for me over the past four years, which I really appreciate. Um, but I I have a lot that I want to do with the business and um, and I'm really kind of passionate about where I want to take it. So, and, and that means time in the business um, and spending it with my team and building them. So, um, as sad as it is to see kids growing up, um, it, it's life. And I think you've just got to kind of be at peace with it and, and just make the most of every moment. So, mm. yeah, I'm a bit sad to be giving up that time in my life, particularly if I'm not going to be having another child. But, um, but I am excited for what's to come. You sound very uh, excited, yeah, about work in particular. You, you keep referencing it, so it obviously means a lot to you. Um, and I love that because I know how much you love your kids, as I do mine, but I also absolutely love to work and, you know, make an impact. And I think that, yeah, you're completely inspirational and awesome for what you're doing. And I was just going to ask one last question, which was, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Can we as my working mums have it all and have you got this? Yeah, I mean, kind of going back to what you said before, about me, work kind of ties into your kids, you know, like it's about giving my children um, the opportunity in life mm. um, and to be able to do that through something that I'm really passionate about, I'm really lucky. Um, but, yeah, a lot of what I do is for them. Like, I feel like I've got more of a purpose now that I have them in my life and maybe that creates more kind of driving passion mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I I think we can. I think the things that I'd suggest for, for those of you who are in a similar boat to me, um, tell you 
your time, though, if you want to do this. So um, if you want to and, – and make sure you do know where you're going. You know, what are those long-term goals? And make sure those day-to-day activities that you're doing really support that. Mm. So, you know, time is precious when you're a mum. Absolutely. And I just think if anything, you know, as, if it just as long as it opens up more conversations and it just makes us all realize how much, you know, everyone's got a different story, but everyone's going through challenges and adversity. Um, and the more that we connect with each other and open up, the more that we realize, you know, we're all literally in this together. We're all doing, you know, the best that we can. And I just think that if we have more compassion and empathy and um, awareness of, of, you know, other families and mums and everything that is around us, then the world will be a better place. So thank you so much for coming on and for opening up so much. I know it's probably um, both empowering and emotional and raw and everything all in one. So I really appreciate everything that you've said. Um, I, yeah, for, for, for the listeners, if there's any feedback or any questions that you would like to hear or any kind of people that you would like to see on any episodes, um, you can comment on um, on any of the images that you see on social media. You can subscribe on the website, put a feedback form, comment on the on the Podbean app. Um, I do get all of it um, and would love to hear any feedback. So thank you again, Court. Um, thank you, listeners, and we will talk to you guys in the next episode. <laughs>